You are listening to audio from the Decidedly Podcast. This episode is a highlight clip from this week's full episode. To listen in on the complete conversation, see the show notes for the link to the complete show. You can help us out by leaving us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. We appreciate every bit of your support. I'm Morgan McKittrick, your producer, and this is Decidedly. Think in terms of every major company in the pandemic had to adjust to a remote work model. Yeah. Overall. Well, remote work is has been around for decades and decades, but you know, it got a lot of a lot of coverage during the pandemic. And all that really means is that somebody is sitting like I am, I'm at my home office, uh, which is down the hill from you. You're in, in uh, Ridgely, I think, and I'm over at Mira Vista. So I'm in my home office today uh, speaking to you, and uh, later on this afternoon, I'll be in a downtown office in Fort Worth, and tomorrow I'll be in my office in Dallas. Yesterday, I was in my office in Las Vegas. Okay, so we all move around. We're all digital nomads today, or local nomads, lomads, if you will, um, to where we work in a, multiple, a multitude of places. Well, if you have a permanent full-time space, especially if you're a company that has 10,000 employees and you put permanent full-time yeah. space all of them, they're moving around. They're only utiliz- the utilization of a Fortune 1000 company space from an officing port- point of view before the pandemic was only 42% effective. So 60-some percent of the time, during, and this is during working hours, not, not counting weekends and, and evenings. Is during working hours. So if you think about the wasted asset going on uh, right now, more and more people are working virtually and setting up the capacity to check in and out of an office space on demand as opposed to physically tying up that space overall. And a good example of that, the the outcome of that right now is uh, New York City has almost a 50% vacancy factor rolling up in commercial office space because everybody is working. Where does that 50% vacancy in New York City rank as far as all-time down markets in commercial real estate? Worst ever. Worst Worst ever. ever. Worst ever. And what you'll see is the repurposing of that space ultimately. It'll flux around and and, and there's a lot of They'll figure it out. Yeah. Uh, Well, you'll see the repurposing of that space. And, and, And take New York City as a good example or London as another good example. These are cities, large cities, that literally import the workers every day through a commuting system. Okay. okay. People come in on the trains, they come in on the subways, they come in on the cars, whenever. They're, you're importing the workers, and at night the workers go home to their uh, to their residence. And the reason they do that isn't because they don't like New York City, it's because they can't afford it. Yeah. So what will happen ultimately, and we're starting to see this in buildings now, is as a building gets beyond about 20 to 30% vacancy on a commercial basis, 20% even, it's not sustainable. You, you can't afford to build, you can't afford to hold a building like that. So you repurpose the building. You take your 50 floors and the top 10 floors become residential and now you only have you know, uh, 40 floors you have to deal with commercially. Maybe your p- bottom five floors become retail. 
Um, you, you start reshaping the way the building is. And when you repurpose a building and add residential to a commercial building, which is very expensive, but no, not as expensive as building the building in the first place. Um, now you've got new inventory of residential and that lowers the cost of living. So people can live and work in the city instead of work in the city and live where some somewhere else. And this is what's beginning to happen all over in, in a lot of major cities worldwide. Yeah. So ultimately, I mean, that sounds like a real positive change for those cities if more people are able to live and work and not have to stress the public transit system and not spend two hours every morning and evening in the train. I met a couple uh, back in June that lived their entire working lives in New York City, and they told me they each took a two-hour train ride Yep. In the morning and at night. And I thought that's, that's, I can't be worth it. New York City can't be that cool. It's not. No city is. It's, no, it can't no. be that cool. Well, you know, and it's funny, the big return to office after the pandemic, the big, hey guys, you got to come back to the office <laughs> and fill the that we're paying for, right? Yeah. Uh, that's what corporate leaders are saying. Um, and, and particularly the large financial institutions or, and, and large tech companies, or a lot of them are saying this. No one minds being in the office with their coworkers. It's good. No one, yeah. no one minds that. It, it's great. It, it, it'd be great if we were sitting across the desk from each other instead of working remotely as we are right now. That would be better. Okay? But no one wants that damned commute. Yeah. And they're willing now that, now that you know, it takes a certain period of time for people to change habits. But we had basically a 18 to 24 month period during the pandemic, during which people reset all of their habits. And a lot of people also reset their values. If you, your dad commuted two hours to New York and that's what he said he had to do to support the family and you live in the same place, that's what you do. Well, it becomes a habitual thing, but yeah. people change their habits and they said, no, 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 no. Uh, this isn't worth it to me anymore. And so as we look at technology and, and what's happening, you've got a combination of people, place, and technology, and that in intersection of those three things together is what creates uh, uh, the environment that we work in today. Um, and it doesn't have borders. It, 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 it doesn't have limitations. It is a lot more flexible. And then ultimately, it's a lot lower cost model to support. Um, it deals with a lot of environmental issues. Hey, when was our pollution levels in major cities the lowest it's ever been in the last 50 years during the pandemic? Why? Yeah. There weren't commuters going in and out. It was You could look at heat maps and uh, maps from space looking at cities, and you could look at before, during, and after, and you could just see just pollution go down. And now pollution's starting to creep back up everywhere. Okay, but you can see this period when it was just nil by comparison because of the differences of activity. So if you scope all of that out and think about the future of work and where it should be going, um, it's not 100% remote. People talk about hybrid officing. Um, well, that's a little of this, a little of that. And there are three workplaces, downtown to the central office, your home, and then whatever third workplace, whether it be a co-working center, a virtual office, uh, 
uh, a coffee shop, a Starbucks. There's this third work that has evolved uh, because not everybody's home is suitable for work also. Um, May not have space, may have distractions, um, any number of things. Every, it felt like remote work was really a, like a rare thing pre-2020. You know, if I met somebody who said they worked from so, home, I had a lot of questions. Wow, what do you do? How does that work? Do you, do you, you know, do you just sleep in and work whatever you want? What is it? What's going on? It was like this foreign concept. And then everybody or, you know, at least every white collar employee was working remote all of a sudden, almost overnight in March of 2020. And now people are starting to come back. I think there was a brief period where it felt like the narrative was remote work is going to be the future. Nobody's ever going to go into the office again, burn those buildings down, turn them into apartment complexes. We don't need it. And there was like a, a little bit of an overcorrection. And and now maybe we're more moderated. But still some companies have come out and fully rejected remote work. Like, you know, uh, Tesla, SpaceX, all the Elon Musk companies have said, hey, no, we're not going to do any remote work at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, Elon Musk says that, but he can't hire programmers that he wants to unless he gives them a remote work or a flex, what they call, not remote work, but a flexible workplace option. Okay. Okay. And that was going on before the pandemic, too. Uh, In 2016-17, the big tech companies realized, hey, we want to get the best, the best programmers. Okay. Uh, and we want to move them. The smartest guy happens to be in Texas where there's a certain cost of living and we want to move him to Silicon Valley where the cost of living for housing is three times, four times the cost in Texas. Is that person going to move their family? No. So if they wanted the best and the brightest, even then companies were coming up with flexible workplace hiring models. And it was yeah. primarily focused around technology uh, and income earning positions. If you've got a hotshot salesman, do you really care whether they live in Michigan or in come into your office every day? Not if they're producing revenue. You do exactly. not care. So those two sectors seem to, to lead on. And every company, every major company was creating flexible workplace programs for their HR departments. The pandemic comes along instead of thinking about it and having 5% of the people or 10% of the people in that category, all of a sudden they had 70% of the people in that category. They didn't have a choice. Now they're figuring out where's the balance between it. And certain positions, uh, creative positions as an example, that where you're working in a team, let's say a marketing team or an advertising team, you work really well around a uh, conference room board doing a lot of spaghetti on the wall sessions mm-hmm. that are smart to do remotely. But you don't do those sessions all day long every day, do you? No. You have the got big customer meeting on Thursdays and you've got to do this and that. So you maybe have to come in on Wednesday and Thursday. But on Monday and Tuesday, you don't have to. And on Friday, you're going to take off early anyway, so you might as well do whatever. So everyone has to figure out how to adjust. And some of the big institutions say, well, we need everybody together for so that our we can preserve our culture. And I would say, you know what? If your company culture is so weak that you all have to sit in the same room and sing Kumbaya together, then you didn't have a culture to begin with. 
Thanks for making the great decision to listen in to this week's episode highlight. If you want more of what you just heard, see the show notes for the full episode. As always, for the latest decision-making tips, find us on decidedlypodcast.com or on Instagram at decidedlypodcast. And be sure to sign up for our weekly newsletter from the link in the show notes. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review as well. We read all of your comments, so if you learned some decision-making tips today, let us know. Until next time, this is Decidedly. Insights, advice, and comments provided by Sean Smith, Sanger Smith, and speakers identified as part of the Decidedly podcast should not be considered recommendations. Speakers not identified as members of Decidedly are expressing their opinion, and their statements should not be construed as reflecting the views of the Decidedly team. This podcast is produced solely for informational purposes, not personalized advice.